0: When Jesus appeared to the Apostle John, um, he was about to give John the longest prophecy in the Bible regarding, really, actually, our time, the day in which we live. And before he gave this very extended prophecy about all kinds of things, what we call the Great Tribulation Period, he he addressed churches churches were the first thing on his mind and he had 7 of them that he had zeroed in on there were more but he zeroed in on these 7 and he addressed each one of them with an individual word he had a word for one the one for the other and one for the other one for the other they were all individual because he knew them all the two words he says to all of them is i know I know all about you. I know all about you. Nothing surprises me. Nothing takes me back. Nothing makes me say, well, I'll be. Never. And so he read their mail. And we've already covered six of the seven churches. Today we're going to cover the seventh one. So can we stand for the reading of God's word? And let's read Revelations 3.14. Because Jesus is talking to Laodicea. The lukewarm church. He says, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things, says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I love the way the Lord IDs himself. It's so powerful. He's faithful. He's true. He's the beginning of the creation of God. That's not saying he was created. It's saying he was there when the creation happened. I know your works. there is those words, I know. I know what you're doing with your life. You're not cold, you're not hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Uh-oh. That's pretty strong. Amen. I never want to make the Lord vomit. I'm just reading you the Bible. Verse 17, because you say, here's what you say. I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Notice the contrast, how they see themselves and how Jesus sees them. Then he says, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. It's good news. If he loves you, he's going to chasten you sometimes. Amen? Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door, Of your church and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, and I also or as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now verse twenty-two He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we need an ear to hear what the Spirit of God said to this church. Because what He said to them, He says to us. Amen? So, Father, thank You for Your Word today. Open our eyes. Give us ears to hear. Let us grow by this. Be convicted by this. Some come to Jesus by this. Let us be alerted by this. And edified and strengthened and exhorted by this. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, perk up and listen. You're going to need this before you get home. All right. Now, um, we are wrapping up our series. Next week, I'm going to start a series on Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Yeah. We're going to learn who Jesus really is. There's a lot of weird Jesus out there. So I'm going to talk about the real Jesus. So I want you to be sure to be here because we've got to get our what we think about Jesus straight. Amen? Amen. So we're going to learn. Now, we're wrapping up our love letters to the church uh, that Jesus wrote, each of these churches. Let me just real quickly recap them. The first one was Ephesus, the loveless church. Uh, they had lost their first love. That was the problem. Then there was Smyrna, the loyal church. They stayed true to Jesus in very tough times. Then there was Pergamus, the lax church. There were things in their church that they were lackadaisical about. They were not handling like they should have. And so we call them the lax church. Thyatira was the loose church because that woman Jezebel was leading them, into, many of them into immorality in the Thyatira church. Then there was Sardis, the lifeless church. They had a reputation that they were alive, but they were dead. Your reputation doesn't always line up with the truth. Amen. Amen. Philadelphia, my favorite one in the whole bunch. I love Philadelphia church. It's called the loving church. Uh, They had a little bit of strength and they had not denied his name and they had not forsaken his word. And so Jesus has nothing negative, no correction to say to them. He just add a boy from start to finish and said, I've opened to you a great big wide door because you have preached my love and have not given up. And then we come to the Lyodicean Church, the lukewarm church. So we have the Loveless Church, Loyal Church, Lax Church, Loose Church, Lifeless Church, Loving Church, and the Lukewarm Church. Today we're looking at that seventh one, the lukewarm. Now, let me give you a little bit of history so you can kind of understand the background a bit. Uh, Laodicea, of course, was a real city. It was located 48 miles south of the Philadelphia church. Now, remember, Jesus appears to John. He says, John, I'm going to give you a prophecy, a word. I want you to deliver this word to the seven churches. Well, how'd they do it? They didn't have UPS. They didn't have mail. What'd they do? They had to give the letters to a letter carrier, uh, just a messenger, who carried them by horse, mule, foot, and they delivered them, hand-delivered them to these churches. So here you are, you're the leader of the church. Let's say you, you and your elders. And here comes a letter carrier. And here's what he says. The apostle John gave this to me. Jesus gave him this word to you. Here you go. I don't know about you, but I take that letter like this. If you're Philadelphia, you got no bad news. But if you're Laodicea, you got nothing but bad news. Because he sent them a very strong word. It was a wealthy city, Laodicea. Because it had exports of gold, garments, and eye salve. Catch this. They were known for their eye salve that would be put on infected eyes and would heal them. And so no wonder Jesus said to them, I counsel you to buy from me real eye salve. It'll heal blindness. There was an earthquake that struck Laodicea in A.D. 62 a bad earthquake. We find, you study church history, a lot of earthquakes happened in the days leading up to Jerusalem being destroyed in 70 AD. Jesus had said there's going to be all kinds of earthquakes, famines, pestilences, and whatnot, not only then, but now. And this earthquake had, had shaken the whole city, but because they had so much money, they were able to to repair it without getting help from the state. They got no state help. They fixed it with their own money. Now, apparently, the the congregation in Laodicea was thriving. There were a lot of people attending it. As a matter of fact, this church was so much on the map that Paul mentions them several times in his letters. He mentions the church at Laodicea. It was thriving. It had great attendance but it goes to show you, you can have big numbers and be off. Big numbers do not attest to accuracy or the blessing of God. Lots of people have big numbers and they're not right. You know them by their fruit, not their numbers. Some believe that a man in the Bible, as mentioned in the Bible, named Archippus was the pastor of this church. Uh, Paul advises Archippus in the letter to the uh, Colossians. He says, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete or fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. Paul writes that twice about two people. He tells Timothy, be sure you finish your calling, fulfill your calling. Don't leave anything undone. He says to Archippus, you too, you be sure you fulfill it and don't leave anything undone. We can start strong and end weak. We can start good and end bad. We want to start strong and end stronger. Amen? Amen? Amen. So though it was a thriving church in the number of attendees, the great commentator Matthew Henry writes this, Laodicea was the last and worst of the seven churches in Asia. So they had big numbers, but they were uh, last amongst the churches as far as being right with God, good with God. They were the most troubled, the most distant, the most problematic church of all seven. Now, some believe that these seven churches, and catch this now, this is important. Some believe these seven churches are not only real churches in John's day, but also represent seven historical phases the church would pass through before Jesus returned. If that's true, the Laodicean church is the church of these last days. I believe there's something to that. As we're about to see. Because folks, let me tell you, there is a great polarization happening out there. You're either staying with Jesus, staying with the word, staying with the cross, the blood, heaven, hell, the truth of scripture, or you're drifting away from it. And the drifters would be the liow to see in churches we're about to see. Because the Bible predicts a great falling away in the last days. Yeah. Many will depart from the faith, Paul said, giving heed to seducing spirits and things taught by devils. Many will depart from the faith, giving their ear to things that devils teach. That's a great falling away, an apostasy. And the lukewarmness and apostasy described in the Laodicean church could very well be the end time trait of many professing Christians and churches in these last days. I don't know how aware of it you are, but there's whole denominations walking away from the word of God. Departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and things taught by devils, forsaking the scripture, forsaking the truth, forsaking Christ. Even Jesus wondered in Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's a haunting question. Now we note that Jesus finds nothing to commend in this church, not anything. Uh, Not one word of affirmation, not one good thing. He didn't point out one good thing. I mean, all the rest of them had at least a little bit. Uh, even, Even the worst one had a little bit going on for it. It was still not quite dead, but but not Laodicea. Nothing good said. They're spiritually lukewarm. Let's look at what Jesus says about them. Here's the problem, guys. He sends this letter, and they deliver the letter to the leadership of Laodicea, and they are told, you are lukewarm. Jesus said it. John wrote it down. We're delivering it. You're lukewarm. Jesus, the great physician, has taken their spiritual temperature and gives the diagnosis. You're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. How would you like to get that letter from Jesus? So they're spiritually lukewarm. And their lukewarm spiritual condition is totally distasteful to the Lord. For some reason, that lukewarm condition. He said, If you were hot, I'm good with it. If you were cold and told me the truth, I'm good with it. That is good. We're clear. But you're playing this game in the middle. You're you're professing to walk with me, but you don't. You're, you're, You're saying you're in, but you're out. You're saying you're with me, but you're not. You're riding the proverbial fence. You're playing vanilla. You're lukewarm, and, and that makes me want to spit you up. To, to Jesus, lukewarmness was a deal killer. Uh, he, wants, he wants us all in, or he wants us all out. At least tell the truth. If you're there, say it. If you're not, say it. Amen? Amen? But quit playing this religious game. That's what I hear him saying here. Quit playing this religious stuff. you got a form of godliness, but you deny the power that would make you godly. I feel the same way about a lot of lukewarm things. I don't like lukewarm. I'm going to tell you, I don't like lukewarm a lot of the time. Restaurants, I famously, I'll go to eat something and it's warm, and I send it back and I say, nuke it. It's not hot enough. All this money I'm paying, I don't want, I don't want warm. I want hot. I mean, hey, g- give, me, give me hot pizza or cold salad. Amen? Hot pizza or cold salad. But lukewarm pizza? No, 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 no. How about a lukewarm T-bone steak? Would you eat it? Or lukewarm chili? How about lukewarm enchiladas? No, those are made to be piping hot. I'd rather go without. And please, please, no lukewarm coffee. (laughs) Nobody goes into Starbucks and says, I want your very best, I want the richest coffee you've got lukewarm, please. No, they say to you, you want it hot or you want it cold? There's hot coffee, there's iced coffee, but they don't sell lukewarm. Because nobody wants lukewarm. Amen? Amen? Amen. No, thank you. I don't like lukewarm. Thank God for microwaves that delivered us from lukewarm. Thank God for microwaves. So you don't have to eat anything lukewarm. J- Jesus' point is this, that that, that spiritual lukewarmness means you're kind of with me, you're kind of not. You're kind of in, you're kind of out. It's like your spouse saying one day, you know, I kind of love you. Can you imagine getting up and going to work and Your spouse says to you on the way out, Honey, I kind of love you. Everybody say, that's not going to fly. Or how about a good friend saying, You know, I sort of like you. It depends on the day. Sort of like you. No, folks, here's the thing. There are certain things in life that require all in. They require all in. And our relationship with Jesus is one of them. All All in. All in. I'm not kind of in, sort of in, 90% in. I'm all in. That's what Jesus required. Jesus said, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If I'm not supreme on the throne of your heart, you're not going to make it in the long haul. See, Christianity has not been, has not been tried and found wanting it's been found difficult and not tried it has failed because we have not understood the terms of the agreement because if you kind of follow jesus if you kind of get behind him and say well he's sort of a part of my life he's a fraction of my life he's some of my life christianity won't work it only works when you're all in you won't have victory unless you're all in You won't defeat the devil unless you're all in. We've got to be all in. You're not going to make it to the finish tape unless you're all in. The devil will knock you out of the saddle. He'll pull you away with some kind of temptation. No, you've got to pick up your cross daily and follow him. And you've got to say, though none go with me, still I will follow I love you more than I love anybody on this earth. You are supreme. You are on the throne of my heart. There is nobody that is a greater treasure to me than you. And when you do that, you're going to make it. Is he all in in your life? Is he all in? Are you all in? Because he was sure all in for us. Walked up Golgotha's hill naked and bleeding, abused and beaten, died on the cross for you and me. He was all in. If he had been 90% in, he'd have never done it. But he was 110% in. And now he says, follow me. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Love me more than anything else. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make me your top priority. Put me on the throne of your heart. And don't let anything replace me. No person, no place, no thing, no habit, no affection, Don't let anything replace me. Keep me on the throne of your heart. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So their number one problem, the first thing he points out is you're divided, you're lukewarm. He said, and and the lukewarmness, has brought you to the place where I'm on the outside looking in. I'm on the outside knocking to get in. Second thing they did, watch this, equated materialism with spiritual health. They had equated money with spiritual health. They had equated money with faith. Look what they said. I am rich. Now, they're not talking about spiritual riches. They're talking about money. They're talking about wealth. You say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. And because I'm rich and wealthy, look what they said. I don't need anything. I have need of nothing. I'm rich and I'm wealthy. So I have need of nothing. Amen. And Jesus said, let me tell you the truth about yourself. Here's what you don't know. You're actually miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Poor, you're poor. They said, I'm rich. Jesus said, you're poor. What's he talking about? He's talking about you're poor, you're poverty stricken in spiritual riches. You do not have spiritual riches. Can I tell you folks something? If you're saved and Bill Gates is not, you're richer than he is. That's right. If, 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 if you're saved and Elon Musk is not, you're richer than he is. If if you're saved and Bezos is not. Is that how you say his name? Bezos, Bezos owns down the road the huge company. Say it. I mean, he has what? A 50 million dollar yacht. But it, but if you are saved and he's not, you're richer. You're richer. Because according to Jesus, you are. Because Jesus said to them, you say you're rich, but I say you're poor. You've equated your faith and your Christianity with money. And it's not about money. I came to make you rich spiritually. I came to make you wealthy spiritually. I came to give you love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. I came to give you the fullness of the Holy Ghost. I came to deliver you from hell into heaven. I came to give you sight for your blindness. I I came to set you free. I, I came to do what no human can do for you. I came to redeem you by my blood. And if you have me, you are rich. Your spiritual bank account is full. But they equated rich and wealthy with tons of stuff, materialism. They had placed their security in financial riches. That's what they had done. But in God's sight, watch this, everybody. They were in deep spiritual trouble because of what he says to them. He read their mail by calling out their inner thoughts. I know. I know what you're thinking. I know what you believe. I know where your security is placed. He said, you say I'm rich. How sad. Because you're not rich without me they had no sense of their deep need for spiritual riches do you have a sense of your need for spiritual riches are you aware Jesus said don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven moth and rust get to them destroy them rust them out store up for yourselves treasures in heaven not on earth but in heaven Store up for yourselves treasures up there. Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. Say, well, how do I do that, Jeff? Here's how you do it. We serve Jesus. We serve others in his name. We obey him. We bear spiritual fruit. We seek him. We grow into maturity of the fullness of the stature of Christ. We make him number one. We are influential for him. People are affected for him because of our lives. We serve him. And every time we do that, we're storing up treasures in heaven. And Jesus said, what's on this earth, it's going to go away very soon. It's all going to burn up, rust out, break, fall apart. But not what you store up there. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above you, In heaven, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind and your affections, and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. Where's, where's your treasure? Where's my treasure? Do I have treasure up there? Do you have treasure up there? Am I even thinking about that treasure? Every time you pray, I believe, and earth experiences an advancement of the kingdom of God, you store up treasure. There's rewards up there. Amen. I mine for gold every morning. I I search for gold every morning. I gather heavenly manna first thing. You know where I get it? My Bible and prayer. I, I mine for gold. Because the word of God is a treasure. Listen to what the Bible says about it. In Psalms 1910, it says the words of the Lord, they're true. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. What is the word of God? When you read that Bible, it's better than somebody handing you a gold bar. You just got gold. i mine for that gold every morning. Not because I'm super spiritual, but I need it to survive. We're in a filthy, wicked world and we're battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. So I need that word every day. Give us this day our daily bread. My daily bread is the word of God. That's my manna. That's your manna. That's our gold. And it's better than riches. And if, if the Lyotisian church is indeed the church of these last days, it sure seems like it. Because they're bragging, I've got lots of money. I don't need a thing. And it sure seems to me that's what you hear with a lot of our church world today. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. A lot of preachers, every time they talk, it's about money. But I've learned this. I'm going to listen to somebody that tells me how to get the real gold. I'm going to listen to somebody who stands up and quotes the Bible and expounds on the Bible and feeds me from the Word of God and leads me to a closer walk with Him. Focusing not on money, but on him. He is my treasure. He is my gold. He is my silver. He is my coins. Amen. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about those who hear the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word in their life. If you're chasing money, it's going to choke the word. Nothing wrong with having money. I'd rather have it than not. It's nice to pay bills. But listen, the question is, do you have the money or does the money have you? Because he's on my throne, the throne of my heart. Not money, not things, cars, houses, fame, fortune. No, him. They got into the place in Laodicea. They, they just said, we don't need anything. We don't need prayer. We don't need the word. They they decided they didn't even need Jesus. And you know that because Jesus is on the outside saying, look, I've been standing at the door and I'm constantly knocking. What door? He's talking to this church. Can you imagine Jesus being out here knocking to get into turning point? What does that mean? That means they had removed him by focusing on things They got sidetracked, tragically. I'm going to say to Jesus in front of all of you, I say this sincerely, Lord, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, Lord. You're welcome here. God forbid that we would ever remove Jesus. No, I'm standing at the door and I knock, and if anybody in that church hears my voice and opens the church door, I'll come in and sup with him, and he with me. Amen. Now he gives a pathway to restoration, and I'm going to give it to you quickly. Here it is. Jesus says, you want me to fix you? You want to get fixed? You want to come back? You want to get alive again and get right again? He says, I counsel you to to buy from me three things. Gold refined in the fire, that you may be truly rich. White garments, that you may be clothed and eye salve that your eyes may see. He said, you want to get right? That's my answer, because Jesus never points out something wrong that he doesn't give you a way to get right. Amen? So what do they mean? Quickly, gold refined in the fire. No doubt about it. That's the word of God. Because listen to what the Bible says about itself. The words of the Lord, Psalms twelve six. The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. That's how the Bible is described. What did he say? Counsel me. I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined. And what does the Bible say about the word? It's like gold refined. So it's a call for the loudest sins to get back to a daily commitment to the word of God and prayer. All right. Get back to my word and obedience to my word. Get gold refined from me. Get back to the Word. Show me somebody that gets away from the Word. I'll show you a drifter. Show me somebody that gets into the Word every day. I'll show you somebody coming home. Or already home. Growing in the house. So, daily dependence on the Word of God. The white garments, very simple. The righteousness that Jesus shed blood gives to everyone that repents. White garments. The righteousness of Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might be made clothed in the righteousness of God in him. Amen? And the eye salve. What's the eye salve? It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit opening your eyes. How many of you realize you would never understand spiritual truth? if the Holy Spirit didn't open your eyes. Amen? (laughs) Psalms 119. I have prayed this verse probably more than most verses in the Bible. I pray it all the time. Here it is, and we'll close. Look what he says. Open my eyes. Now he's got the Bible in front of him. He's about to read the Word of God. What does he say? Open my eyes. Why? Why? So that I can see. that you telling me you can't see the print? No. So that I can see the truth in this word. Open. So he had a dependence on the Holy Spirit when he got into the word. That I may see all the wonderful things in your teachings. Wow. I pray that hundreds of times. As I'm opening the Bible, stand up with me, would you? So Jesus says to this loudest seeing church, he says, you want to get right? Say this with me, everybody. Get into my word and be obedient to it. Repent. And pray for the Holy Spirit to illuminate your eyes. Amen. You wouldn't even ever know your need for Jesus if the Holy Spirit didn't show it to you. Yeah. So I want us to pray together today. How many of you don't want to be like Laodicea? No, no, no. Can you say with me, I want to be red hot? For Jesus? Yeah. Amen. So let's pray together, can we? Father, in Jesus' name. We just thank you for this powerful word where you have opened our eyes. Now pray with me, church, and say, Lord, today I come to you and I ask you to help me to remain hot in my commitment and my love to you. And Lord, help me to get into the word daily and be obedient to it. Keep short accounts with God and ask for the Spirit's help to understand the Word of God. Give us eye salve, Lord, white garments, Lord, in the name of Jesus. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to talk to you today. Let me just quickly say Forget about the person next to you. Let me just talk to you, you and me. Let me just talk to you for a second. Do you know you know Jesus? Do you know you know Jesus? It's okay because I'm not here to point a finger at you, look down on you. No, no, no. I was saved in juvenile home. There's no way I can point a finger at anybody. I stand before you by the grace of God. And I want to tell you, he loves you today. And he wants to be a part of your, he wants to be all of your life, actually. He wants to change you, forgive you, give you a future and a hope. And if you've got a question mark in your mind about whether or not you know him, whether or not you really know him, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to pray this with me. If you need to come back to him, if you've gotten lukewarm, what a great time. Say, Lord, today I I repent. Forgive me for my lukewarmness. I want to come back to a red-hot commitment. Total, all-in commitment to you. So I'm going to lead you in that prayer. So let's pray together right now. You can do it. If you haven't prayed in years, that's okay. You can pray this prayer. How far is God from you? He's He's as near as a prayer. So pray this with me. Go ahead, you can do it. Say, Lord Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead as Savior and Lord. You are Lord, and I place my faith in you as Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord, and guide my life from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now, with your heads bowed, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. I'm not going to embarrass you at all, but I want you to put your hand up and just say, I prayed that with you. Just slip it up. Amen. I see you, and I see you, uh, many of you all over the place. God bless you and you, and over here, many of you. Now, I want the ones who just raised your hand to look at me. No one else is looking. I just want you to look at me if you raise your hand. Okay, I'm just going to dismiss the service in just a moment. And I want you to come down. Would you come down and let me pray with you one more time? And I want to give to you some things to take home with you to read. I promise you, if you take the time to come down, you'll get the best seat at the restaurant after. I'm going to believe God for that. But please don't go out back until you've come up here and said, I prayed with you, Jeff. Okay? So if you raise your hand, you know who you are. Well, why do I need to come down? Because you need to tell somebody. And you need prayer. And you need what I'm going to give you to take home and read. Because you just prayed the most important prayer of your life. Amen? All right. If you needed this today, everybody, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on.